Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Noted Podcast. Uh, today we are a man down. Uh, we are missing Riker since he is on uh, a vacation over to New York City. So he's enjoying it over there. And uh, we're stuck in Utah for the time being. <laughs> but um, uh, right now we're kind of in the, in the middle of it, in the thick of it, if you will, uh, of the Game 7 between Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, it is currently halftime, uh, a time of recording, but today is a great day uh, since we do have both Game 7s, uh, which uh, Parse actually sent a very funny meme oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, regarding the uh, the Game 7s, uh, just watching it together, you know? these This is the best time uh, during the playoffs is when you got multiple game sevens in one day because it's, you know, all or nothing. It's kind of like a March Madness game at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really exciting. So let's go ahead and jump in. Milwaukee, Celtics, initial thoughts from watching the first half. Uh, initial thoughts are these are really good defenses. Um, Milwaukee, like, Celtics are just – suffocating man it is so hard for them to get good looks and same on the other side like it's there's there have been such low scoring games because they're both just playing really good defense um it's really cool to see i think brooke lopez really stepped up which is good to see he's been really anchoring the defense and had some nice uh offensive boards it's been a good game i'm really excited to see how the second half will go but yeah it's been a good one yeah Initial thoughts for me is it's kind of crazy. Like, I feel like in the second half, Jason Tatum could be in some real trouble with fouls. Um, That last, like, right before this game uh, went into halftime, there was this one play uh, where Grayson Allen takes a charge. And I wish I had the clip to just show on the screen, but obviously it's a podcast. So most of the time, people are just going to be listening. But I would encourage you to watch this. The The screen that Grayson Allen takes on Jason Tatum was nuts. Okay, He's backpedaling on a fast break. Jason Tatum's coming down. And while he's on his tiptoes, he just throws his heels to the ground, throws his arms up in the air, and just takes a charge from Jason Tatum, who had gotten a foul like not two minutes ago. right? Uh, and I believe all three of the fouls that Jason Tatum got we're all in the second quarter. So Jason seems pretty frustrated. He's at 17 points currently, so having a pretty good first quarter or first half. Um, but if it continues getting chippy like this and Milwaukee continues to set up those traps, um, you know, Grayson Allen has been doing an incredible job defensively. Um, there could be some real, real uh, Jason Tatum imp- implications here if he gets into foul trouble because then. Their number one scorer and their star player won't be on the court at the same time as Milwaukee's star player. So, I think you got to be careful, right? Mm-hmm. The defense has kind of gotten a little stagnant uh, for, or not stagnant. The offense has gotten a little stagnant. Um, but I think one of the great things about the Celtics uh, is specifically Marcus Smart is such an well smart player. <laughs> You know, no pun yeah. intended. Uh, that in, even in that last play, <laughs> steals the ball away from uh, Giannis, which, keep in mind, I think that was like the third steal in a row they got on Giannis um, while he was trying to, like, mm-hmm. come down. Or just to stop in general. 
Um, but then he thinks to just huck it up from half court and is in the shooting motion, gets the three free throws uh, at the very end of the game, which was really intelligent from Smart. So um, that's almost funny to say intelligent from uh, <laughs> Smart. But, man, I just thought that was that was nuts. Like, who do you think has taken this? Just by watching That's the hard. Oh, my... I feel like probably Celtics, mainly because I feel like, you know, the Bucks defense has always been this way where we're not letting you score in the paint. You're not getting downhill. You know, we have Brooke Lopez and Giannis. You're not going to score on us. But we're going to risk it. We're going to let you shoot some threes, and that's kind of happened. They're shooting, I think, at halftime I saw, like 40% from the three. And if they can't – if if they keep, like, letting Celtics get those shots – like, granted, they I, there was a few times where they really locked them down and they didn't get them good shots, but, like, you, you, that's just not a good – I don't think you can do that in a game seven. That's, like, too risky. You have to – yeah. And you have good enough defenders, I think, to – like, they had so many wide-open corner threes, and Celtics actually miss, I thought, a lot of wide-open corner threes, which are extremely, like – the like there's, like, two shots in the game you don't want to give up, right? You don't want to give up a dunk or a layup, and then you don't want to give up a corner three. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is – this is hard to call. My My, like, instincts tell me that, like – I have a feeling that this might be a very similar game to game uh, five in the fact that like Celtics had pretty good control towards the end of the game and then they just blew it, right? Like yeah. offense got stagnant. Everything was going through Jason. They started double teaming and then buckets were just not falling. And then Milwaukee goes on this crazy run and ends up winning the game on like a, on a tip in, right? Um, which is stifling, and they did this in TD Garden as well. Yeah. So I can't help, I can't help but to think that there's got to be some correlation with this game. I mean, both of the star players are having an excellent game. Uh, Jason's actually 100% from three right now, four for four, uh, which is nuts. But Giannis is also um, 60% from the field, uh, and already has 12 rebounds, seven assists, 17 points in the first half. Like no. Giannis came to play. The yep. question is, are we going to be able to see uh, Drew Holiday really step it up? Because that was one of the things in Game 6 that was totally missing from the Bucks is that Drew Holiday didn't show up offensively. Now, we could be seeing the same thing. His defense yep. is good. But is he going to make the difference? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Honestly, like, Giannis and Jason Tatum are going to get theirs, right? They're going to get 30-40. It really comes down to, like, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, uh, Brooke Lopez, Grayson, like the yeah. the surrounding cast. Yeah, Pat Connaughton, uh, who was like big, big in Game Six, showed up to play. Um, has zero points so far this half. Yep. Uh, zero. That's what four. that. So that's what I was saying about the the Celtics. I feel like they've done a really good job. Like all the three, I think he like he hasn't had a wide open three. They've mostly been contested or like, you know off balance like step backs yeah. or whatever you know it's yeah it's 15.8 percent from three um bucks are shooting from three right now at the first half 
The thing that worries me though is like you have that bad of a percentage. You have two players in Hill and Connaughton who have both have zero points. Even Grayson Allen only has a point. Matthews has three, which we know he's more of a defender anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one that worries me more is, is uh, Bobby Portis only has five. And then you have Brooke Lopez, who's having a good game at 11, and Giannis at 17. But that's the thing. is like Even though the Bucks aren't playing that great right now, it's only seven points behind, right? And at half, it was only five. So I'm just worried that if one of these players turns it over, you know, and turns it around like a, like a Drew Holiday, this could be a totally different game, second half. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I just, I would, I would hope that they'd be able to make a little bit more, right? But mm-hmm. it's been a pretty good game, really close. I think it's going to be within 10 points uh, when it's all said and done. And I'm going to go... I'm gonna go Bucks, man. They're just old, reliable. Yeah. I want the Celtics to win, because that would just again the crazy story from the how they turned their yeah. season around. But it's hard to count Giannis out, and I feel that's like funny. he knows he knows what this game means. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's funny. I, I want the Bucks to win, but I think the Celtics are gonna win. And you want the Celtics to win, but you think the Bucks are gonna win? <laughs> <laughs> They're both great teams. I don't I don't think yeah. that anybody can hate these teams. Honestly, like yeah. Everybody wants Jason Tatum do do well because he's just all the scrutiny that he's received over like his entire career in the NBA to just finally like be believed in. Super awesome uh, revitalization of Al Horford's career um, coming back to Boston has been great. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the whole dynamic of like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can play together is really cool. But then on the Bucks, it's like you know losing PJ Tucker. You know what is that going to mean? And Dante DiVincenzo get McConaughton instead, right? What does that mean mm-hmm. uh, for the team? Can Giannis do it again? Can they do a back-to-back? That's the question. Because I think regardless, I think we would both agree that whoever wins this game is going to the finals. And oh, yeah, 100%. I think it'll be like a game six for sure, but I don't know. I just have a hard time believing in the Heat because they've had such an easy path to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, should we talk just... about that? That's pretty good. That's a pretty good segue. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about Miami Philly, because um, this is just so sad. I mean, as a Jazz fan, obviously, you know we don't really share a lot of love with the 76ers, But now Ben Simmons isn't on the team, so I don't have as much to hate. But I guess James Harden came in, so it's like yeah, you know, not as much, but some hate uh, over there. But I don't think anybody can really hate Joel Embiid, like. The guy is an incredible talent. Uh, I really thought that um, he would have... Well, I thought he had a good chance of winning the MVP this year. Better than last year. Um, but I still think Jokic is the best player in the league. But, man, how how sad. How sad is this Philadelphia 76ers team? Like, as a Sixers fan, how, would, how does this feel? Right? I, I think I saw yeah. a tweet that said that jazz, it was like a jazz fan that said something along the lines of like, even though the jazz aren't doing well, it also helps me to know that the, the 76ers with better talent still don't do it better than us. <laughs> um, which I mean, they did make it to the Western conference finals one year, right? Yeah. Was, that was the, the, um, Kawhi shot. I don't think that was... 2019. That was, that was Western Conference Finals? I think it was Eastern, yeah. 
Or sorry, Eastern Conference. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Yeah, we could be wrong. But either way. Either way, a lot of failures. And I mean, a lot of it usually was with Joel Embiid issues with injury, which this year hasn't been as much. But those two, I guess, let me pose this question to you, Carson. Do yes. you think if Joel played both of those first two games that this series would have gone a different way? I don't know. I probably not. I don't think so. I think like obviously Joel Embiid is amazing, but this is really on James Harden deserves a lot of scrutiny, I guess is the word. Like he, I just don't understand that he he has this like I don't know. As soon as he got traded there, you know, it was like they had the expectation of, okay, we're getting James Harden, we're going to the finals. And even with Joel Embiid out, he should be good enough to get a win with at least one with Joel Embiid out, you know? Like, Miami's a good team, but you have enough good players around you on that uh, Philly squad that you should be able to steal one. And I think even like with Joel Embiid, I think Miami's just like a better or at least mentally stronger team. That was even with like Duncan Robinson having a rough game one and not yeah. playing three games in a row. That's like one of their best shooters. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, I just see there's a lot of talk behind the whole like giving up. Like, did James Harden give up um, halfway through that game? Because that was just pitiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, like, game six. It was like, who is like this? Is not the James Harden I like. And and it just goes to show like James Harden even. Uh, I feel like we're getting him at 50%. He still had that game six, right? Mm-hmm. Where he just popped off. Um, or sorry, the game five. Where game he five. Off, right? Uh, where we yep. saw a little bit more of vintage James Harden. But all in all, like, I just feel like James Harden is the kind of person that just has a really bad mentality. It's It, it kind of reminds me of the similar to the Russell Westbrook situation, right? easy Mm -hmm. scapegoat someone who tries to keep saying stuff along the lines of like well look what i've done in my career you know not about what i'm doing right now and it's kind of hard to justify you know these like results sure doc rivers you know he's infamous for stuff like this happening but there's just times where you know you were seeing someone like maxi um or tyrese maxi right yeah who is an incredible talent super young and this guy's complaining to james during the game like mm-hmm. about effort right about playing defense about there was one time where tyrese maxi passed the ball to james harden because he was open and then james harden tries to play iso through three defenders and tyrese was wide open and it, it's it's moments like that where it's like it's such tight it's stupid decisions like that that create big, large gaps and distances between mm. a game. And Jimmy Butler, he's not going to let you. Which I also want to say that it must really suck as a Philly fan to hear Jimmy Butler say that he, he still wishes he was on this team. Playing Dude. With Joel Embiid. Oh. And it's because they decided it, to go with Ben Simmons instead. Yeah. That's hard because – that's one of those things where it was like rumored about, but no one had ever confirmed it. You know, it's like, did Jimmy Butler want out, or like, did my or did Philly just not offer him a contract? It's like, 
Oh, and then hearing Joel Embiid talk about how much he missed him and wanted to play with him. It's just like, I don't if mean, I'm a Philly fan, I would be heartbroken. That, that was the furthest they ever made it. Yeah. Like, in recent history. You know what I mean? Like, it's so sad. Like, sure, we don't have, you know, much mercy for them because of the whole rivalry between us. Mm-hmm. But as a non-biased NBA fan, I feel horrible for that organization and for the fans. Had you kept Jimmy Butler, I mean, we, we might even see a realistic chance of going to the Eastern Conference Finals, especially during that COVID year. Yeah. If you really think about it. I mean, that was when Miami made this surprise. Or championship, like. Maybe even championship. Like. I, it is just, it's sad for me to see someone like Joel Embiid, a generational talent, not be in like those final moments. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, we forget the last time that the Nuggets were like healthy, they went to the Western Conference Finals, right? Like, and everybody talks all this stuff about Jokic and all this stuff. But like, I see Joel Embiid in that same category where like, with a good team, like, and a good second star, they could take it all the way. But for some reason, they keep getting all these horrible mentality people like James Harden and Ben Simmons when they should have kept someone like Jimmy Butler, who's clutch. Every time. Yeah. How many game winners did Jimmy Butler do when he was a sixer? It's, it's one of those things where I feel like you can scrutinize it more in hindsight. You know what I mean? Like, at, at the time... Like, Ben Simmons' rookie year, I can understand why they made that choice. Like, I don't think necessarily that there's there's a bad front office. I think they did a lot, like, on paper, a lot of good moves that just didn't pan out, and it really sucks for them. Yeah. So, question. Yes. Does it matter which team comes out of this Boston-Milwaukee series? of how Miami Heat is going to play or are they just doomed either way? I would say regardless who comes out of this series, I would give Miami roughly like a 30% chance. You know, like there I wouldn't yeah, I just I think if if you do if you do Miami ver, like 10 series of Miami versus Boston or Milwaukee versus Bo- or Miami versus Milwaukee. Miami loses 7 out of 10 times between either of those teams. I just think both of those teams have are just better constructed than Miami and I think I don't know. I I'll never I'll never say for sure that Miami is going to lose because there's times where they are just unreal especially with jimmy butler like it's it almost feels like there's a switch and it's like we're not losing type of thing um but i think regardless like whoever comes out between bucks and celtics is just going to the finals probably and i mean miami still has like i believe they have the best record of any team uh right now uh, as far as making if i if i remember correctly because they beat uh atlanta in five right Mm mm-hmm so they beat Milan in five, um, Philly in six. I don't know, man. It's This is hard. Okay, this is hard because I've seen Miami close out when they're supposed to. You know what I mean? Like, mm. Miami's killers, and they're consistent. 
while what we've seen with these Milwaukee and Boston teams is that some on a good night, sure, they're way better than Miami, but are they going to be consistent enough through a seven-game series to be able to compete? I would say it's I, more of a they lose. Ah, four point five out of ten times, five point five out of ten oh, okay. times, somewhere like that. I, I think it's close. It, I think it are it really just comes down to consistency. They got shooters. Uh, we've been able to see that Celtics have done really well with Milwaukee, but we also got to remember that Milwaukee is a very large team. Right. Mm big players i mean the celtics are in game seven without chris middleton playing let's keep that in mind as well right yep we're not seeing a fully strong milwaukee team is uh is miami big enough to deal with Giannis, brooke and chris right i don't think they're big enough to deal with either because if you remember robert williams isn't playing like potential defensive player of the year like that's true if if either of those teams advance and get one of those guys back Miami's in real trouble I just don't see Miami having the defensive or offensive prowess to overcome how good these teams are on both sides of the ball yeah I I think it's it's a little unfair to Miami to be thinking this way because they have gotten a pretty easy round you know good bracket luck Mm -hmm. as we say in the the smash scene right (laughs) Um, yep but even with good bracket luck, it's still hard. It's still hard to make it to this point in the game. So I still want to give my respects to Miami. Like, I still – I would agree with you. I think it's either one of these teams, Milwaukee or Celtics, going to the finals or who I would want it to be. But I think it is hard to count Jimmy Butler out. This is a team that we've also seen actually go to the finals, um, which is something the Celtics have not done in the Jason Tatum era yet, right? So yep. I believe, but we'll have to see. Now, mm-hmm. on the other side of the coin, we had a weird series. Golden State and Memphis Grizzlies, right? That was weird. Now, I, I want to I propose this question. If, if John Morant would not have gotten injured, does Memphis win the series? Great question. I actually thought about this, and I think the answer is no. Reason being... Uh, John Morant is awesome. Memphis is awesome. They're on a good trajectory. But every time I watch a Golden State Miami or uh, Memphis game, I just can't help but think like Warriors, at least offensively, are just their spacing is so much better and they're a lot deeper. Like Steph Curry and Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson. It's just like you've got shooters everywhere, right? And Memphis, I don't think – I think they hit their ceiling. Like, they played really, really well. Not Sorry, not hit their ceiling in the sense that they won't get better, but, like, they've maximized how well they played this offseason, especially, like, without John Morant in game five. Was that where they won by, like, 50? Mm-hmm. Like, they deserve a ton of credit I mean, that's that. like – that's a closeout game. Like, usually teams that are on the ropes win those, unless they're the Jets. Yeah, 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 exactly. I just I just think like how do I how do I phrase this? That um Memphis is a good team, but I don't think they have enough defensive pieces to a, like in a potential game 7 had they won that game 6. I don't think 
they had enough defensive pieces to win it a would, potential game seven. It would have been in Memphis, though. Right? I, you got to remember so, that. Like, one of my one of my favorite quotes ever. I don't know it word for word, but it was Draymond Green. He said it a few years back, and he's like, "It doesn't like game sevens. Typically, it doesn't matter who has home court advantage. Like, you don't want to go to a game seven because anyone can win, right? Anyone will get hot. Like, if you have home court advantage, it doesn't matter. Like, it, 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 what's going to happen is going to happen. Like, NBA players are good, and they're they're going to get hot." Right, yeah. so I think in a potential game seven, Warriors probably win, but who knows? Like maybe if Jaw was healthy, yeah. they'd steal both of them. Tough to call. Uh, Dylan Brooks also had a pretty bad series. Um, which yeah, that was. Uh, Kyle Anderson had a great series, which I'm I'm not surprised. I really like mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson. Um, I think. And this is something that I said earlier in the season that I, I just believe that Memphis would not make it very far because I believe even though they did really well in the regular season, playoffs is a different beast. And having the experience of being clutch in those moments, like it's, it's great that Memphis won their first series, but they very easily could have lost against the Timberwolves too, if we remember. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of games where it was, it was won in the last second. So... I think next year is going to be a great year for Memphis. They're still in a very good financial situation as a team. Uh, I think all they would have to renew is Tyus Jones, uh, but I think that's it. So you might pay him a little bit more, sure. But you you got to think about next year is kind of like the make or break because financially speaking, there's a lot of payments that you're going to have to be making in a year. So yep. we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but I agree with you. I think Golden State wins. Uh, regardless, I just play devil's advocate just for the, you know, the yeah. hell of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is going to be an interesting series, but I think we can both agree that it's I, either of these teams here. Phoenix Suns and uh, mm. the Mavericks, which I think has been one of the most surprising series in the entire uh, second or second round so far. I don't know. Yep. Would you agree with that? Like, I don't think oh, anybody of us expected that this would go to a game seven. I thought at most, at the at the literal most, there would be five games. Really? <laughs> thought maybe Dallas would win one, but they're probably getting swept. But they made me eat my words. <laughs> <laughs> so, one thing that I do want to shout out here. Have you noticed that there's been a correlation to when the Suns play well and when they don't? Oh, I don't know. Two words. Chris Paul. Chris Paul, yeah. Um, So one of the interesting things to note, let's look at the games that the Mavericks have won. Um, Let's see. So, let's see. So Phoenix Suns, they won... Both of the first games at home. So everybody's won at home. Yep. Right? Um, which is kind of funny because usually the the series really starts when someone wins at home, which it could finally start yeah. and at the same time, right? Um, but if we're, if we're looking at the losses that Phoenix had. So let, let's look at the, the first win. Let's see. Looking at the box score. Let's look at Chris Paul. 
Chris Paul played 29 minutes, scored 19 points, was a plus 14, had five rebounds, three assists, and one steal, uh, and one turnover in the entire game. Okay? That's mm. a pretty Chris Paul game right there. Yeah. Looking really good. That's pretty good. If we look at the second game that they won, Chris Paul, let's see. Okay, we're sticking Chris Paul, 36 minutes, scored 28 points, was plus 19, six rebounds, eight assists, one steal, and how many turnovers? Three. So he only increased by two. An entire game, right? It's crazy because, you know, we have Donovan Mitchell who frequently turns the ball over. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's weird to see a guard with that low of numbers. Now let's see the correlation. Um... Now, when the Suns lose, Chris Paul scores 12 points in 37 minutes, five rebounds, or sorry, seven rebounds, four assists, one steal, but uh, seven turnovers. So more than doubled the turnover rate uh, over in game three, which Phoenix won by nine points. And if we look at game four, uh, Chris Paul, this, yeah, this is the worst one. So Chris Paul played 23 minutes, five points, seven assists, five rebounds, and uh, two turnovers, right? Mm -hmm. But a bad Chris Paul game. So we're getting two bad Chris Paul games in a row. They return to Phoenix for game five, and that's where they won. Okay. Now, if we look at box score here for Chris Paul, um, <laughs> this is actually really surprising. But I, I think it's because this is the game that Aiton kind of popped off, right? Uh, okay. Chris Paul played 35 minutes, 7 points. But the big indicative here is that there was 10 assists and 4 turnovers. So he involved his teammates a lot more, so he was still positive. They won by 30 mm -hmm. points on this one. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, Booker scored 28, Aiton scored 20, and then they had uh, Miles Bridges and Cameron Johnson, who are their two best like bench players, both score 14. So that had to be the entire team had to score a ton for Chris Paul to suck and for them to still win. But mm -hmm. we're also seeing 25% from three from Dallas. So kind of like a little bit of an outlier here, but... Chris Paul still really involved his team, even though he had a bad offensive night. Now, here's the biggest indicator is game six. So their closeout game, which I believe teams usually lose at that point. Chris Paul scores 13 points, five turnovers, four assists, two rebounds, right? A minus 14. We never see Chris Paul in the minus, right? Usually. Usually when yeah. he's on the team, he performs a lot better. He just wasn't very active on the ball, and uh, we're usually seeing these high turnover games. Well, for Chris Paul, keep in mind, like, <laughs> I know it's five turnovers, seven turnovers is not big, but for Chris Paul, that is. Yeah. So what we're seeing is if Chris Paul turns the ball over more than, you know, four times in one game, sometimes that's an indication that the Suns lose if Chris Paul has a bad I think, game. I think this is... I mean, we talked about this last week, right? Where Chris Paul, we kind of had said, was the Suns' most important player. When he plays well, they're just exponentially more dynamic, right? Like, 
he opens up so many things. Like it doesn't. It allows um, Devin Booker to play off ball more, which I think he's at his best when he's off ball and he can come off screens and you know he's a shooter. It's just, and if Chris Paul's not playing well, it's a lot harder. And in this game seven, this is why you don't want it to go to a game seven like like uh, Draymond Green said. Right now you have to play game seven against Luka Doncic. Like you don't want that. It, this, now you're in the territory where literally anything could happen in your season could be over because he had an outlier game, right? Like, not to mention this is, the awkward fall that Chris Paul experienced at the end of Game Six. Yep. Right? Is there going to be injury implications with that as well? Yeah. If Chris Paul doesn't look good tonight, it's going to be tough for Phoenix. I think this is a big moment and we've seen Luca be able to step up in big move moments. He's one of like the youngest players that I've seen that has such poise in moments like this. And I, this is, I think this is a bad spot for Phoenix. My, my guess is Phoenix probably wins, but I really wouldn't be shocked if Dallas wins tonight. I honestly think it's a 50, 50 draw at this point. I, I, I'm close. I'm thinking like 55, 45, like basically there. Yeah, it's it's close, and you know, there's like part of me that wants the Suns to win because Chris Paul is one of my favorite players of all time. Excuse me, um, and I really want him to win a championship. And then on the other side of the coin, I've loved Luka Doncic for a long time, uh, ever since he played for Real Madrid, which is you know that's where I'm from in Spain. Um, that's my favorite soccer team. They have a basketball team over there which is an incredible team and that's where Luca played before he came to the NBA so even though he's a little bit annoying with uh how he acts so childish a lot of times I do I do want the best for him and it's so exciting for me to see the Mavericks because when I see Luca, I kind of see a little bit of Dirk you know what I mean just like yeah. that European player that people didn't believe <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah there there's all the conversation that was happening between uh, the draft class, there was actually a podcast uh, with J.J. Redick, which is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, where they actually interviewed Luka Doncic and asked him about his, like, thoughts about going third, you know, being one of these, like, incredible players and stuff like that and feeling that he's too low. And one of the things that I loved that he said is that he didn't care. Like, he doesn't care that people picked him last. He, he was so grateful just for the opportunity to play in the NBA. And, like, he comes with that, like, mentality that it doesn't matter where he goes. He's like, I don't even know what cities were good. Like, I've been in the United States, like, two times in my life. Like, <laughs> and it was just in California. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, he, he genuinely was just so happy to be able to be in this league. And, like, kids like that, man, like, that come into this NBA with that mentality, those are the people that are going to win championships. And I, I just see so much of Dirk with him. And I know the Mavericks will get a championship with Luka Doncic at the helm. I just feel it. You know what I mean? And with this mm. opportunity, like, this is a beatable Warriors team, you know? I Fence. mean, it's... It, oh, it's, oh, I see what you're saying. It's a beatable Warriors team that you can uh, yep. that you can beat in this next round if you can make it through the Suns. And quite honestly, if, if Dallas makes it through the Suns, they can beat anyone, in my opinion. Yeah. They've surprised everybody. They're the dark horse. They're the underdog. No one's going to believe them, but they have what it takes. And man... What the heck did I say about Jason Kidd? Did, yeah. did I not say he would do a great job? Because he You're was the there. only one. He I did there. not believe. He was there with Dirk when they won that championship. Okay? He understands what it takes. 
So I'm really excited about Jason Kidd. Uh, props out to him and props to the Dallas Mavericks. Not only have they proven that they could beat a disgruntled Utah Jazz team, but a fully functional Suns team, which is what mm. nobody expected to get to this moment. So I'm really excited. This this game is going to be probably the best game of the playoffs. <laughs> it might be the best game of the playoffs out of any of the yep. series. Like, honestly. Uh, it's crazy that we get two of the best games ever in the playoffs this season uh, all in the same day. So <laughs> yeah. going to be really exciting. Uh, right now, Celtics are running away with the game, so we'll see what happens in the in the fourth quarter. But um, as far as right now, who do you think wins the whole thing? If you could call it right now. If you were a betting man. Uh, considering... The score of this game, I'm going to go Celtics. I think they go all the way. I think if Celtics win this... I think... I, like, whoever comes out of this game, I think, like we we said last week, that this is the Eastern Conference Finals, the second round. I am kind of of the opinion that it might be the, the finals. Like, whoever wins this game has a really good chance of winning the whole thing. Especially, like, given the Suns' position right now, where they just have been less than stellar in the in the playoffs so far. I think both teams have played better than the Suns. I don't know, man. It's still the I, Suns. I think the Suns are still the best team in the NBA right now. I agree. I, I think, like, they probably should be the best team but they haven't been the best team in the playoffs and that's why i'm going with but uh, if you win this game against the mavericks prove to yourself that you're because remember who's the clutchest team in the nba this season the suns right they barely lost in the clutch okay this team is clutch they win they come to win right dallas had the resurgence at the end and i just think they're playing off of a lot of momentum and luka Doncic is tired of losing series right but I still think if the Suns can get through the Mavericks, I think they beat the Warriors. And I think with all of that poise and confidence, they could really do a big shot. I think I think the Celtics or the Bucks win if the Mavericks make it out. I if okay, the Suns I can make agree it with out, that. Then I think it's a little bit more of a discussion at that point. Yeah, I can agree. But this is exciting and I can't wait to jump back into this game. Um Really hope that Milwaukee makes it interesting and that it's not a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, super cool. I mean, we're super excited, and we're super excited to have Riker back next week. Uh, miss you, man. Hope you're listening uh, <laughs> and enjoying your trip. <laughs> but uh, I guess any, any final words, Carson, uh, about uh, the NBA? <laughs> I would just say this is a really fun season. It's really fun going into the playoffs not knowing, like, Who's going to be in the finals or who's going to win? There's no clear front runner, and I think that's really exciting. That is really exciting. I totally agree. Yeah. But guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.